Welcome back to Health Conscious. This is Joseph. And this is John. And we had a great conversation with Terry Murphy and Parsa, uh, who's our first year intern, we'll call him. And we talked a little bit about innovation healthcare, Terry's background, and some of the work that he's been doing here at Sloan. Yeah, yeah, and this is our last episode of the season. Uh, it's pretty exciting. Uh, so I hope all you listeners had a great time uh, with us this semester and you got some uh, fun insights from our many guests. Yeah, and with that, I hope you guys have a great winter break. You studied in geological and earth sciences for your bachelor's, but then you did the transition towards finance and health admin here at Cornell when you were doing your MBA. So I'd just love to know why the transition towards uh, finance and specifically towards health administration here at Cornell. Yeah, well, anybody that's in a uh, cyclical industry uh, knows the, the, the pain and the promise of, of the boom and bust <laughs> cycle. And that's certainly the case in, in um, uh, geology. I, I was glad to get a technical background, but as I as I went back to graduate school, I was really more business oriented, looking for what it was that, that was really going to be uh, a hot area, kind of that simple. And uh, of course, I went through the business school, and uh, at the time, Sloan had just separated from the business school, uh, but I was quite interested. There was still quite a bit of healthcare mindset in the business school, and I ended up um, getting my MBA from the Johnson School and separately getting a Sloan certificate. And the reason healthcare appealed to me was it looked like a field, and this was, of course, the 80s, so there I am dating myself, but healthcare uh, looked like a field that really needed much more of a business mindset. It's interesting, you know, MHA, Master in Health Administration, but um, effective healthcare is much more than administration. That's a real historical title we have there. Uh, but even in the 80s, it was looking like um, there was really going to need, and, and, and frankly, back then it was only maybe 5% of the national economy. So I thought there's where there's going to be some great opportunity. And so I studied, I, I, look, I looked into healthcare in a number of other areas, and um, I got a very nice opportunity um, out of, uh, from, from an alum actually, to join an early stage company that was uh, uh, actually pretty sizable. It was a bunch of people that had broken off from Ernst & Young, Ernst & Winnie at the time, to do a software and consulting startup. So I felt like I was getting into technology and uh, jumped in only to find that I was uh, firmly ensconced on the consulting side and it wasn't quite what I thought it was going to be. But I had a fantastic opportunity to learn quite a bit in a niche area that really nobody else in that organization and even nationally at the time was covering very well and that's working with physicians. And so I developed um, a little niche uh, consulting practice within that organization around working with doctors, and that created a whole identity for me. Uh, The times um, were changing, and uh, physicians and and physician referral patterns and medical staff planning and joint ventures with physicians and 
and uh, uh, purchasing physician practices became all the rage and some still are in uh, today and so that led to a very robust uh, consulting activity in the in the 90s and 2000s for me and so you said you're starting off in consulting, but since then you focused a lot in technology, startups, you've done the funding, uh, you've had spin-off companies. Do, do you mind just going into detail about your uh, career trajectory since graduating from Sloan? Sure, sure. Well, uh, and I guess I did a piece of that, but, uh, but from that company, and okay, so that was a startup company uh, with 80 people, so that's hardly a startup, but it was funded with some... Um, money from healthcare systems that had thrown that money together to get some smart people to help develop software and help consult around the, the core issues. But that company ended up going broke. And, um, and I learned a lot about, uh, you know, um, you know, it, it actually didn't hurt me at all. It was, it, it, it was a great opportunity. And so I, I didn't, didn't, uh, I didn't miss a step. Uh, I, I then joined a very large national, um, seventh largest in the country, national accounting and consulting firm. And from that, that um, uh, got a tremendous boost to my career in that I, I was um, with this little niche area of working with physicians. All of a sudden, that was nationally important in the 90s. And I became, what was the, been, I guess about four years out of graduate school, I became the national director of, of uh, physician services for the seventh largest accounting and consulting firm in the country. The key there was I, I was able to develop all kinds of relationships around the country. So, so I had developed my specialty niche and I started developing um, a really broad range of professional relationships through that big company. And by sharing that, I'm, I'm, you know, there's, there's something to be gained by going small. There's something to be gained by going large. And uh, and I, and that was a, a fantastic opportunity. Now here was the clincher. That company went out of business. <laughs> so five years out of business school, uh, and of course I was an entrepreneurial-minded person to begin with. Uh, five years out of business school, I've been through two companies that have gone bust. So um, <laughs> I began to feel like the healthcare field wasn't so. Uh, stable and secure after all. Uh, and I'm, I'm actually saying that only kiddingly, we, we um, were a very profitable unit within that big national firm. And uh, seven of us um, uh, put our resources together and became the founding partners of, of my first uh, true startup, um, which was called Orion Consulting. And we had about 20 other people that, that joined in with us, and we just kept going with our clients from, from the prior company. Uh, but I was an owner then, and uh, that company ended up being acquired. We, we sold to a, uh, 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 well, we sold and then sold again without getting a lot of details, and, and that was a very nice, uh, profitable exit. I continued um, with my work on the physician side because most of that was uh, that sale was around the value of the consulting portfolio and, and software and built a company here in Cleveland called New Health Management and uh, developed some great clients like the Cleveland Clinic and uh, you know it was our uh, Catholic Health uh, with another client Mercy System and uh, again working with the specialty product line but broadening the, the areas and 
making some very good money in consulting. Uh, that was uh, that was a wonderful step. But I wanted to diversify the revenue stream. Of course, consulting is episodic, and uh, so I started a technology company. My first dip into technology, which was about 1999, uh, that company grew very quickly. Uh, it was we were web um, we were de- de- uh, delivering web hosted applications to hospitals to run medical practices. Um, what today would be referred to as software as a service. It was called something different then. Uh, but that was my first foray into technology. That company grew very quickly uh, to, um, well, I'll tell you this, my, I remember going home once it was Thanksgiving break, uh, and here I am, what, uh, maybe at this point, 12 years out of graduate school, so I was a little farther along. But um, telling my, my friends that I had just um, just struggled to make payroll, uh, and, that, and when they asked me what it was, I said, well, it's about $195,000. Uh, was a little dose of <laughs> my friends telling me I am nuts to be, uh, to be putting myself out on the limb like that. Uh, but that was a company that was um, segued into venture capital investment. Um, we had a, a very nice run, even though it was post-tech bubble. We had a very, um, we had a very strong growth and uh, I had a nice exit from that in that we had, uh, I was running both the uh, consulting and the technology company side by side, and uh, we brought in a team to run that company, and uh, I made some, you know, did well on that on that transition. Now, uh, after that, I, I, I got into a field that was somewhat outside of healthcare, um, not entirely, but working with kids with autism and developing software for the special needs field, uh, that was a uh, that was a uh, a decision that was not easy to make to get out of healthcare and to uh, try something different. But uh, it was technology, so that was the uh, consistency. And um, we started from scratch with some researchers from Harvard that had a concept around visual learning and developing software for that would be web hosted for uh, educators. Uh, and I'm very proud to say it took about eight years, but I'm very proud to say we have 30,000 kids around the country using that. Uh, it was a labor of love in many ways, and, and perhaps some of the things that I'd done earlier allowed me to take that chance because I'd, I'd uh, you know, saved some money. And, uh, and that, that uh, company did okay. It's not uh, going to be a barn burner like anything in healthcare might be, uh, but I didn't do it to... to, um, to um, you know, make a, make a fortune, uh, and and uh, we're we're one of the top three products out there today for for school districts. Now, after doing that, I uh, this was well, probably longer than you might have expected, but I I, I got back into um, advising and consulting uh, startup companies and being an investor in startup companies. But I do that that to my current company, Edge Health LLC. Uh, and I'm working in the area of telemedicine, uh, which I think is fascinating, full of enormous opportunity. Uh, while there's a, a number of companies in the field that is far from being fully implemented. Um, and as part of that, um, Cornell has asked me to uh, do some research and develop a course on disruptive innovation in healthcare. And um, I'm happy to share with you a little bit more about that. If that's of interest, I, I expect it might be. 
but um, the um, the uh, healthcare field and in particular um, master's in health administration programs are are um, focused on on uh, developing skills to join the healthcare system and and uh, the healthcare industry and, and you know, be an administrator, if you will. And I think um, I think we need a bit of a new focus. I think there's uh, an incredible need for innovation, and, um, and I think uh, developing, of course, on disruptive innovation in healthcare will shine a light on a number of areas that are fast moving and going to be uh, very exciting over the next uh, five years and really change the landscape. I, I completely agree. And before we, we go on on that topic, I think it's important to note that you mentioned a couple of things earlier about the ability to develop relationships with physicians and as well as with these large organizations that are really prevalent um, all over the United States. So what are attributes that you think really helped you um, in kind of managing and navigating these situations with these big players, um, whether on the macro level or working directly with physicians? Well, um, working with physicians wasn't, you know, wasn't easy. And I think, you know, the, the fun part about that is when I joined this consulting firm uh, as a, you know, as a greenhorn right out of, right out of um, uh, business school and out of a Sloan program, I'd learned a few things, but nothing nearly uh, respectful by their, by their measure. Um, I. Uh, one of the reasons I ended up with the physician services area is you know, we had other people that were focused on what I didn't realize but came to realize were much more lucrative areas, physician, uh, uh, insurance companies and, and health, health systems, hospitals. And so here I am, and they're offering me to, uh, to lead the, our work in physician services. So I went to, you know, I went to went to school again, after, you know, I just graduated school, I went to school again and went to the MGMA Institute and uh, really dug deep to learn a field. I didn't want to be embarrassed and um, and I kind of, um, I might have overdone it, but I uh, ended up, it, it, it's interesting, um, it was such a new area and such an underserved uh, area, people just weren't that knowledgeable. And of course, when you work with physician practices, at least at that point, uh, they had a huge need for business um, uh, insights. And, and I was bringing that to the table. So that just happened to be a great area to, to start. Now, uh, what, 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 what happened was that the market really took off in that whole arena. And so building, um, building relationships, when I mentioned that earlier, I was really referring to uh, the different offices of our national consulting firm and all the folks there that knew there was needs that they couldn't serve because it was such a niche area that they didn't have the, the expertise to, to cover, they didn't have the experience to cover. And so I wasn't that handicapped being new to the field because um, you know I, I, I could do a deep dive and, and know more than others. So I, I guess one of the lessons I would offer up is that um, you really can't get everything, and, and, and it's kind of a, a folly to try and get everything you want on the first gig right out of right out of uh, your program. Uh, no, you got to. It's going to be a path, and, and you, you have to think of it as okay. Where do I want to start? What might I do? 
what what turns might I might I make later? Um, but the, and, and I couldn't have mapped this out for you. I couldn't have mapped out the way this worked. Uh, in fact, I didn't even intend to develop a specialty niche in physicians, but I did. Um, and then I was able to parlay that into relationships, and then you know I ended up being a partial owner of a company because because in part I had expertise and relationships. And I could bring clients to the to and and I had the experience to deliver a profitable uh, engagement. So from that point, it's you know you're really pretty far along the path to being a, a viable business person if you want to look at it that way. And most of that was in the context of consulting. And so then I branched out into uh, technology startups, and, and I've done three of those now. So earlier you also mentioned how you're coming back to Cornell and you're going to be teaching a class on uh, disruptive technology and innovation in healthcare. And I know that you've been out meeting with current players and companies in that uh, field and you've been doing your own research. So where are you at now? What have you learned so far and what do you think you'll be bringing uh, to the classroom? It, it's such a big field, and so part of what I had to wrestle with is how do I narrow this down? How do we make this into something that doesn't, we can't boil the ocean, so to speak. So um, what I've done is, I, first of all, I focused on disruptive innovation. Um, those are the not so much the iterative, transformative changes that all health systems are implementing, for instance, towards value-based care. But one of the things that are, are on the horizon that are really going to upset the apple cart, and, and one point I can't make strongly enough, um, I think we could all agree that uh, we have a wonderful health care system in the U.S., and we have a terrible health care system in the U.S., uh, and, uh, but for sure what we have is unsustainable, you know, the way it's currently going. But we have to really change the way the healthcare system works. So, a couple areas I'm focusing on. One is I'm going to focus on uh, what what I've considered the, the disruptive innovation clusters, and there's really four areas that I'm, I'm I, I think bear uh, some some time in in, uh, in the class. One is artificial intelligence, and there's all kinds of elements to artificial intelligence, it goes without saying, it, it is the hottest area of venture investment in healthcare right now. Uh, telehealth, telemedicine um, is a second area. It's interesting because a lot of the investments have been made and a lot of the companies exist, um, but it is far from being well implemented and broadly used. Um, and in fact, at a recent conference, I heard someone uh, the panel was discussing, well, what inning are we in when it comes to telemedicine? And somebody was describing why the, the second, the bottom of the second or top of the third <laughs> inning in, in telemedicine. And then they got to the last person on the panel and they said, you know what, I think the players are just showing up in the, you know, in the parking lot. I think we're so far from where we should be when it comes to telemedicine and telehealth uh, that we haven't even begun to see it. So um, that's the second area. Third area is uh, personalized precision medicine, genomics. Um, we, we tend to think of, um, well, I mentioned genomics, we tend to think of this as strictly a pharma uh, kind of thing, but 
we are using 3D printing to print personalized body parts. Uh, it is totally, uh, personalized medicine is a broad area and our ability to do that is, is, is uh, growing leaps and bounds by the minute. Fourth area is consumer-driven health. I recently spent time with a venture capital firm out of Chicago, and their whole investment thesis is the empowered, enabled health consumer. That's what they want to invest in. Uh, we spend a lot of time talking about value-based care and the adjustments we're making for value-based care, but we are quickly getting into an area of, um, well, we are in parallel fashion planning for an era where the consumer is enabled and empowered and motivated to manage their own health care. Uh, but we are, I mean, there's some glaring problems in that area. For instance, something as simple as trace, uh, price transparency. We can't, we can't, the consumer has the motivation through high deductibles to pick their care wisely, but they don't know what the price comparison is between one provider and another. Uh, so there's some startups in, in, in all those four areas, there's all kinds of startups. I didn't pick companies, I picked uh, clusters because there's just dozens of startups that are um, bringing a, a, a value proposition in one of those four areas. Now there's some other areas on the horizon, blockchain, you're, you're hearing about um, quantum computing, uh, people talk about social determinants of health and population health and how that is going to drive um, the, the re re reduced need for intervention, et cetera. But for right now, I think uh, we'll focus on those four and we'll give brief consideration to some other areas. Second area is the big tech disruptors, Google, Apple, Amazon. Daily, we are seeing new developments. It is, it is really exciting. Uh, to see what um, Apple now is bringing to the table in terms of devices and augmentation uh, through the iPhone as a medical device, for example, uh, and, 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 and innovation on the, uh, the AirPods. Um, Amazon is innovating around Alexa for home health and, and enabling all kinds of um, uh, uh, care at home through Alexa. Uh, as you would expect, Amazon, you know, they, they recently purchased PillPack. They're going to make a play because they are an e-commerce platform. Uh, they're going to make a play on things like pharma and, uh, and um, being the supplier of, of, um, of uh, medical supplies and, and pharmaceuticals. And Google, of course, with their strength in search and infrastructure and apps, uh, they're driving hard with disease management. They have a whole set of um, uh, disease, uh, AI innovation they're investing in. Google's interesting because they have Google Ventures. Google, Google has so many different plays in healthcare, it is stunning. Uh, and I'm going to bring uh, some, some real market intelligence into the classroom where we'll look at the strategies of those big players as well as Microsoft. We'll look at the strategies and uh, the activity, even some patent filings, and we'll, we'll have some fun predicting uh, who's going to be doing what and in what ways they're competing. 
Uh, and you notice I haven't even mentioned the healthcare systems, the insurance companies, the pharmaceutical companies, the major players of today. Uh, you know, and, and, and they are obviously a, 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 the biggest factor in all of this. And um, one of the interesting discussions we'll have is, you know, what are the barriers to innovation and disruptive innovation? And by definition, uh, disruptive innovation is is um, upsetting the the, uh, the status quo. And so there's a whole lot of players out there that are very concerned and they have very large um, uh, lobbying budgets and they will uh, have some vested interest in, in, um, in, in some things remaining the same. By the same token, many of these organizations have their own uh, skunk works, have their own investments in uh, and are purchasing uh, some of the some of the startup companies. You know, one of the things that startup companies can do is follow behind uh, the, the existing major players and predict what they're where they're going and build their products and build their market uh, entree to match where where some of the uh, the big players, whether it's Google, Apple, Amazon, or whether it's uh, uh, Ascension Health or, or UPMC or Cleveland Clinic Innovations uh, matching themselves uh, in their offering to what would be a, a desired acquisition opportunity. Yeah, I think those are all like really bad points and those are really exciting for that course uh, next semester. I can't wait to take it. Yeah. I've actually just been uh, researching a lot of a lot into telemedicine and telehealth. Um, so I mean, every every point that you hit, I personally agree on, and I'm I'm looking forward to the class next semester to learn more about it. And um, on that note, Terry, I we really can't thank you enough. We we're so happy that you agreed to do this and close out this semester of Health Conscious with us. It, it was truly a great conversation. Thanks again to Terry and Parsa for that great convo. Uh, we got into a lot of different things in terms of disruption in healthcare and what are the possibilities for the future. And I think that Terry's class is going to be really exciting. Uh, with that, we want to give uh, thanks to a few people. I just wanted to thank Brian, Ed, Libby, Lucy, Robert, and finally Terry, and also Subin for a great semester and a great series of podcasts this year. Happy holidays. Yeah. We'll uh, see you next uh, next semester. Treat every day like Christmas. Number two. There's room for everyone on the nice list. Number three. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. And one. Oh. Does someone need a hug?